Come gather ye friends round the persevering fire and listen to tales of cloaks, daggers, and haphazardly plotted adventures. Set aside your who's who headache and roll out the gunpowder for us, your storytellers. Bob Bob is right. There were a lot of players last episode. That was episode one of the gunpowder plot, Pear Bear. Ably performed by The Silly History Boys Show. If this is your first time with us, dear listener, you should probably go back and visit it. Good idea, Bilbo, for we are getting straight into it. But where to begin? Parliament, boys. Parliament. Ooh, I'll need some rhubarbing, please. Settle down, settle down. Welcome back, everyone, to Parliament on this vague February day in the year of our Lord, 1605. Parliament is now reassembled, and I hope we all enjoy our break. We do get a lot of holidays. Right, let's get a quick round table for a bit of a humble brag. <laughs> I myself have just sponsored the commissioning of a new Bible. <laughs> yes, that's right. Top that. Well done, me. Another one, King James. What's wrong with the previous old not English to new is English translation? Do you know when you think of a Bible, people looking for razzmatazz, you know, and the old one just not enough pizzazz. Oh, please say you finally did it, my king. You finally included the unicorns? Oh, yes. Boom! Take that, Geneva Bible. Oh, such a wonderment, my king. Stop it, Monteagle. They're not even real. Says who? Oh, Monteagle, you suck up. Rain it. She can't put a rein on those magnificent creatures. Great they are, especially not nine of them. Nine. Nine mentions of unicorn in the Bible. I know. Proper belcher. Anyway, that will be out just in time for stocking filler for Christmas 1611 AD. Think of all the excited children. This new Bible will serve as the superior English translation to go hand in hand with our superior religion, of course. That'll show the inferiors, my lord. Oh, really, my good Baron Monteagle? Speaking of inferiors, how goes the world of the Catholics? Um, I, 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 I don't know what you mean. Oh, come now, we're all friends here. Quiet Catholics will not be disturbed, remember? Church papist, say that again. I dare you! Come on, Monteagle. We all know you're playing the good Protestant in public, but I bet you have a firm grasp on that Catholic grapevine. That he does, my king. And as a man very interested in vines, I'm very curious re what the grapes have to say. Ah, Robert Cecil, my Earl of Salisbury. <laughs> you are ever the inquisitive type. As your intelligence, sir, my king, it is my primary duty to keep an eye on all foes, foreign and domestic. Hmm, Monty? What is this accusation, spy master? Little old me? A master of spies? Oh, Monty, you raise me up beyond my abilities, I'm sure. I serve as the Secretary of State, humbly and quietly. I, a spy. My little eye! My network of spies, of which I am the master, I mean my little administrative unit, tells me that there is a Catholic cavalry amassing in the Midlands. Love me some alliteration. 
Well, Monteagle? Go fine. It's all completely innocent, though. It's merely a hunting party, so the vine tells me. Pretty large hunting party, and awfully close to Coventry, hmm? Coventry? Well, that's where my little Lizzie is. Yes, that's right. The young Princess Elizabeth is at Coombe Abbey. How odd, Monteagle. I swear on the as-yet-unpublished Bible, I don't know what you mean. Oh dear, Monteagle, you seem to be losing the room. That or the Anti-Unicorn League has returned. Spill it, Monty. You stand alone, Catholic. No, I'm a good public Protestant and a faithful man of the king. All right, who farted? Ho ho ho! That is a big bang fit for a bad man. Well done, Guy Fawkes. Cheers, Robert Catesby. I'm pleased with it. <laughs> Indeed. Inform the air quotes hunting party in the Midlands. Yeah, it gets a bit confusing, as my brother John Wright is also known as Jack. And I'm Christopher Wright, but I get known as Kit. You know what I mean, Robert Winter? I hear you, Kit. We do have a confusing number of participants. And to muddy the waters even more, your brother John, Jack, was introduced in the first Gunpowder episode, as was my brother Thomas Winter. And this is how we're introduced. So messy. Like this intro. I mean, is this even happening? Message from London. To Coombe Abbey, now! To Coventry! Capture the princess! I mean, if there was a huge hunting party on their way to capture the princess, then you'd think that our local lord would have had her holed up in the walled city of Coventry. Coast? I mean, those guards there got everything from bows to albeards. Halberds? What? Halberd. Satisfying word, that. Halberd. Well, don't I feel foolish now? More like hell Burke, eh? <laughs> 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 oh, oh, the fun that we do have, but we're totally unprepared. Hand over the princess, you unsuspecting goon. Oh, looks! Those sexy Catholics have caught us off guard. Oh, nice one. And her over. Oh, like we just keep her in the room with us. Oh, there she is. Hiya. Nuts. Oh, to hell with these cunning Catholics. Come with us, princess. You're getting married. To a handsome Catholic, I hope. Prepare the Catholic uprising. And send for the bishop. And before our super-duper Catholic god and all of its mates, I pronounce you... Um, man and wife. Yay! Enjoy ruling England through me, Robert Catesby. What a wonderful day! I always knew that God was on our side, and we couldn't have done it without you and your wonderful powder, Guy. No problems, Robert. Oh, oh no, I feel a bit gippy. Yeah, it's just the post-plot calm down, Guy. Oh. oh, drippy. Ooh. Don't you go dying on us now, folks. Oh, 
Tell her I had a right good dream. It turned out fine. Ha! Like it was gonna end well for you. You and you lot, isolated Catholics, just what you are. The uprising was never gonna happen, you dolt. Now, sign this. No thanks. Oh! Come on, we'll try again later. Don't you go dying on us, Foxy? Yeah, that's me. Bet you're wondering how I got here. Well, it all started after the meeting of the Duck and Drake. Sunday, 20th May, 1604. So the months of plotting began. The current session of Parliament had only a few weeks to run, and then it would start up again in February 1605. Seven months to pull it all together, and the plotters had nothing. Not even a base in Westminster. Oh, please, second cousin once removed, please! Ah. Dry your eyes, Thomas. We passes have our dignity and a name to maintain. I don't want you based here. Hmm? Having you sloshing yourself around Westminster with your blade out? Ugh. You can totally trust me! You gave me responsibility over your northern estates, after all! That is true. I suppose being the ninth Earl of Northumberland will always come with a bit of risk. Ah, oh, blessed! Thanks, Henry! Now, with lodging in Westminster, so hard to come by. Ugh, oh, I know! That King James is people-pleasing again, and everyone is getting space for court offices! And with that in mind, I'm not just going to gift you a party shack from which to cause trouble. How would that look? But please! Thomas Barsier, stop whining this instant. Sorry. So, how about this? In this grubby, fat-catted society where contacts are everything, we get you a place rented ASAP. Make it all legit. Easily done, seen as you're now a gentleman pensioner. What? And have you know, I am in the prime of my life. You just ask the crestfallen girlies of Edinburgh. No, you idiot. A gentleman pensioner is a sort of ceremonial parliamentary guard. Ceremonial? Oh, so I'll be seen as a decrepit layabout rather than a hot layabout? Uh, no thanks. It comes with a Westminster office. <gasps> Sold. So I was all like, you better give me that space second cousin once removed or your northern estates can say goodbye to this steadfast stewardship. Yeah. Delbert. Cram your head in a cannon and fire, forks. Gentlemen, please, let us not sally this good fortune with childish bickering. You did well to secure it, Percy, and Guy here has already been putting it to good use. Yeah, it's a grand space, Percy. I'll give you that. Whatevs. Anyway, I'm going back to my new pad. Don't touch any of my stuff. Uh, send in the new fellows on your way out, would you, Percy? <laughs> New fellows. Yes, Guy. Your London crew. I see me send more as a lone wolf type. You've seen my LinkedIn. Well, I know that, Guy. And as an unknown face in London, you can come and go as you please. A perfect for our venture. But a couple more trusted men will be handy. Trusted? With my life. We have Thomas Bates. Another Thomas. Or we'll call him Bates. Hello. Bates is my trusted man, sir. That, and I accidentally found out about the plot. What? Moving on. <clears throat> Hello, folks. Are we decent? Ah, Robert! Robert? Another Robert. Call me Keys. 
Keys here is one of our Catholic refusers from Lincolnshire. Who vouches for you, then? Oh, you can trust me, Mr. Fawkes. The records will show that Robert Catesby considers me a trusty, honest man. Right. Bates, Keys, this, if you didn't know already, is Guy. He's our trigger man. You three are the London crew. Oh, I've always wanted to be part of a crew. Sounds so dangerous. We need a dangerous name. How about the Powder Pals? We could be the Central London Flashbangs. London crew is fine. Thank you, Guy. Wait a minute, Robert, who died and made Fawkes captain of the Powder Pals. I am, after all, your trusted manservant. And history recalls me as a trusted man. Lads, 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 please, you are all important to the venture, but... You don't know munitions the way Guy does. I'll have you know, I know a little of the ins and outs of the powder world. Can you source the goods? Do you know where to seek? Do you presume to bring the Boom Boom? Too technical for me. I concede, Catesby. You've got yourself a specialist here. My apologies, Mr. Fawkes. Quite all right, Keys. All right. We have two months until Parliament reconvenes. Where do we stand, Guy? Sort of. Uneasily, if I'm honest. Anxiously hopping from foot to foot. Two months is not long, Robert. That's why we're here, Guy. Flashbangs for life! Well then, you two will help me stockpile powder. Where are you getting it? Downriver at docks. Rather eyed powder mill. Any problems acquiring it? It's dangerous stuff, after all. You're kidding, man! It's everywhere! Merchant ships need it for defending their cargo. The Navy uses it, obviously. Ha! The Navy love their gunpowder. Good luck with that. Yes, but with the recent peace treaty signed with Spain, there's now tons of gunpowder on the market. Rotheride operates under royal license. We can pick up excess powder cheap. No questions asked. Yes, God is truly smiling on us. I hope we can hold that smile because we need 36 barrels. That's £10,000. Equivalent of 250 cannon firing at once. Whoa! I've been taking my time to avoid suspicion. So, for the next two months, we transport them back upriver to Percy's office. Then all I need do is place powder correctly under Parliament. Great. So Percy's office space is right under Parliament, yes? No. What do you mean, no? I mean, no. It's close, though. But how do we get the powder in position? I've been asking the same thing. Oh, would you give me a break, lads? I have been busy plotting what happens after the big event. Wise. Like, whom will rule and what will the country look like? Uh, well, not really. Oh, gee, what? Yeah, so I, I, I sort of laser-focused on blowing up King James. and I, I, I've mainly been stroking my beard and imagining how far off his head will land. And beyond that? Nothing beyond decapitation fantasy, really. That's the extent of your plotting. Hey, look! The moustache twiddling was pretty full on. Two months is cutting it mighty fine, Robert. I better get to Percy's office and see how much more we need. So, let me get this straight. Beyond the explosion, we have no plan. Ah, uh, God! will provide? You're just winging this. With the aid of God, yes. Heaven help us. That's the plan. Lads! Yeah, good lord, Jack! Jack, right, don't burst in like that. Whip! 
rotting man. Barely. Soz. A- anyway, news. So, you know, it's it's a big deal getting Parliament together, yeah? Yes, folks coming in from all the sweaty provinces. What of it? You know, so, so they can't have them all packed into London for too long, as it's too unhealthy. What, what, what with disease and all. Especially when London starts to warm up. What? What are you saying, Jack? The state opening has been delayed until the winter of 1605. And with that, God has provided us the gift of time. All right, when are we looking at? I'd guess that, I don't know, let's just pluck a date from the air, 5th of November. And with that, God has provided us the gift of rhyme. Remember, remember that date, lads. Keys, Bates, you go help Guy. I'm going to the Midlands. Oh, you should check in with my brother Kit. He sounds just like me. He's a good lad. Just ask for Christopher. What? Wait, wait, does Christopher have Kit's teats or something? I, I don't catch it. Oh, wait, no, I, I, I get it. Great. Let's plan the second part of this plot. Having been handed the heavenly gift of time and negating the need for a slick plotting montage, Robert Catesby travelled to the Midlands. There, the number of plotters increased. John Grant, Lord of the Manor of Norbrook, was brought into the fold. Kit Wright and Robert Winter make it a brotherly affair, what with us, having already met Jack Wright and Thomas Winter in the Duck and Drake. Kit! Robert. Robert. Kit. A pleasure, Robert Winter. I know I know you. Did we meet in a messy flash-forward at the top of the show? Wait. Did your brother Thomas Winter send me to Spain in 1603 to inform King Philip III that Queen Elizabeth had died? And to bring him back a boatload of sangria. Oh, yeah. To get aid from the Spanish, re a Catholic uprising. Huh. Small world. You sound just like him, by the way. Oh, come on, you two. You know you know each other. How is Thomas? Part of the plot. No way. Oh, man, I live for these little connections. Oh, you stop being silly. Look, I know there's a lot of names to remember. Um, how many of us plotters are there now, anyway? Um, Lord, now you're asking. Um, well, there's me. You two, um, Guy, Percy, uh, Bates, Keys, Thomas, Jack, Jack Wright, your brother, loving this. Will you shut up about your brothers? Hey, Kit, isn't Jack John? Yeah, but there's John Grant now too, so, you know, we don't want to be confusing. Stop it! So, yes, with John Grant, that makes ten of us. Ten? Hmm, that's a lot of lips to keep zipped. God will provide us the strength of silence on our sacred venture. Oh, I feel like a disciple of God, all apostolic-like. Hmm, yeah, but there were twelve of them. Want me to make myself scarce for the next scene? Would you mind? No bother. Okay, bye. Right, what we need is a couple of rich fellas, ideally famed for their impressive stables. Ah, leave that to me. Now those are impressive stables, Mr. Rookwood. Oh, thank you, Kit. Now, when your brother Jack John Jack and Kate Spear approached me for help, I was sceptical. Yes, but when I told you that the Order of the Jesuits has given our little venture their approval, Ambrose... Are they still up for it, Kit? What? Kit? Eh? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the Jessies, uh, well up for it. Oh, good! Then my fine Suffolk horses... They're yours. Hey, was that a lie? Yep. And my money is yours, Catesby. What was it again? Fifteen hundred pounds? Ah, very kind of you, Everett Digby. Our man in Westminster, Thomas Percy, is, well, um, failing to pay the rent down there. Uh, Kit, 
Have a message sent to Percy that all is in hand and to stop lapping. Right away. Yes. Well, it's still quite a financial outlay. Yes, but you're doing God's work, Everett. Quite. Now, Catesby, I might be a nervous Nelly, but could you assure me that my Catholic mates won't end up raining down as chunks of zealous fury when the deed is done? Oh, my good Digby. Assure yourself that such of the nobility as are worth saving shall be preserved, and yet know not of the matter. Um... Are you saying you'll warn them not to be there? Or that ascending to heaven is tantamount to preservation and it'll happen so quickly they'll know not of the matter. Coton Court, have you rented it, Digby? Um, yes. Lovely. So, with Rookwood's horses and Digby's pony... It's a lot more than 25 quid, I can tell you that. With all this in place, here's the plan. So Catesby laid out the plan, the one that was so tightly coiled at the top of this episode. With Rookwood providing the horses and Digby renting the space, a hunting party would set out from Coton Court. By the time Parliament was in tatters and the big bits of fleshy rain had stopped, a hunting party would reveal their true prey. Young Princess Elizabeth, King James's daughter. She would then be married to a good Catholic and installed on the throne. What could go wrong? Lots! Lots could go wrong. Catesby, you're banking on chaos here. Oh, for sure! The Protestant power structure will be destroyed. Cavalry will press their advantage, and in turn, the dormant Catholic population are stirred, and Bamalam opens civil war! I'm starting to feel sceptical again. This is a wildly ambitious plan. Yeah, my good Ambrose Rookwood, that's the beauty of being a zealot. You are blind. To any floor, I am convinced God is smiling on me. God has provided the gunpowder. God supplied the lodgings in Westminster. Shame God couldn't provide the 1500 I just blew. Oh, I don't know. I just wish we had more proof. Proof? Robert gets me. Proof. Right. I went to send a message to Percy, read Digby's money, and there were a message to you from Percy. Turns out a cellar in Westminster has just become available. What, just like that? Yeah, and it runs right beneath the Parliament House. You see, God provides. Great. So, he rented it. <sighs> I'll get my wallet. Wow, what luck, Bilbo. All that fitting into a nice silly scene and with such a convenient letter from Percy. Well, okay, Bob, Bob, we may have taken a silly shortcut through the village of that didn't happen upon lies, but we get the gist. Didn't the convenient cellar space become available in the summer of 1605? D um, yeah. Yet Rookwood and Digby were brought into the fold in the autumn. Get off my back, man. There's a lot of moving parts. All we need know is that part two of the plot is in full swing. But Shut up and do your narrative voice. In the summer of 1605, Guy Fawkes and his London crew smuggled the powder into the newly rented cellar, masquerading as servants storing provisions. The Palace of Westminster, unlike the 19th century structure we see today, was a great sprawl of late medieval buildings. Access was easy. The law courts, the king's bench, common pleas. Ordinary folks came and went quite freely. By October 1605, with three weeks to go, the powder was hidden and surrounded by firewood for added security. All Guy Fawkes could do was wait. But Catesby was running out of money. Oh, sweet lord, I am scared.
begin, Thomas Winter. That's why we're here, Robert. Where on earth is everyone? Try again. How's my Robert settling in, Robert? Oh, he's, he's an excellent plotter. Top notch. You really do sound like him, by the way. Good, good. Oh, come now. Tresham is dodging us. He wouldn't do that. He's family. Wealthy family. They can smell investment brokers a mile off. Can I help you? Oh, hello, chum. Uh, Robert Catesby and my cousin Thomas Winter to see our mutual cousin Francis Tresham, please. Follow me and please keep the familial exposition to a minimum, if you will. Cousins to see you, sir. Cousin Robert and Cousin Thomas, do come in. Francis Tresham, good to see you, cousin. Hang on a moment, cousin. Walk towards me. Slowly. Uh, righto. There you are. You seem a little light in your gait, Cousin Robert. <gasps> Wait, you're poor, aren't you? No, 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 it's my trunk hose, Francis. A difficult fashion to carry off in this time period, cousin. Indeed. Why, I was remarking the same to my tailor just the other day. Oh, how we nattered. I'm sure you did, Francis. Francis, are you... Are you still partial to a bit of a chinwag? Love it. My wife calls me her little babble merchant. Are you sure about this, Catesby? Um, we need the funds. Did you say fun? Oh, little tattles are fun. Who's courting whom? Who's got beef with the king? You know, the usual. So, how much do you want and what's it for? My dear Francis, it is a small matter. A, a mere trifle, really. A modest Sunday roast, if you will. Chicken or beef? Beef. I knew it. Right. Spill it, you saucy devil. King James must be ousted. Oh, I agree. Why, I heard he brought Gomorrah as his plus one to the last royal shindig, if you know what I mean. Ousted, you terrible clutterfart. Killed, Francis. We're going to blow him up. Oh, I see. Trey, juicy, cousin. But as you have uh, noticed, we are a bit light in the hose and need funding. But powder is so cheap and easy to come by. Wouldn't cost that much to explode his carriage? It's bigger than that, Frankie. Much bigger. Oh, don't you tease me, Robert Catesby. You know this is like breathing for me. Let's just say the reconvening of Parliament is going to be a blast. Totes hot Goss! Oh, I can't wait for my next hose fitting. Francis, you shall utter this to no one. But it's, but it's, but it's Parliament. And it's huge. Imagine the clicks I'd get from all those people. And wait, all those, all those people will be lifted up to God's grace, Francis. But I have mates there. Oh, my sister Elizabeth would kill me if anything happened to William. William? Have we got a William? Man, so many names. He means William Parker, fourth Baron Monteagle. Oh, him! Slippery beggar. Talked away his Catholicism and blamed his childhood upbringing with the cop out of I knew no better. Oh, Robert, please, it's King James's world now. William is only getting his. Oh, he'll get his, all right. Can I quote you on that? What? Hang on. Oh, are you are you writing? Stop writing! I can't help it. I have to write down all the succulent deets. I look at them just before bed and feel all good about myself. Stop! 
Stop it, Frank. The country is sick and we are the cure. I know we're in a bad way, but can't we just take a Valium and have a flick through the gossip column and sleep on it? Francis, we are not deliberating whether we should hit submit on a YouTube takedown of Lord such and such for being light in the hose. Nobody cares, but you should care about this. But I've got so much to lose. Won't somebody think of the rumour mill and blowing up Parliament is a big deal. A big sexy mouth-watering deal. A great sickness requires so sharp a remedy, Francis. Well, your guests be dining, sir. It's beans, sir. Pre-spilled. Of course. Uh, not now, thank you. I'm currently deciding whether to become a part of a plot to blow up Parliament and end King James's Protestant rule of terror. Francis! Very good, sir. Wow. Francis Tresham seems like a bad bet. Catesby is gambling big time. Loose lips, lose chips. Well, that was us being silly, but it does highlight how desperate Catesby was. Desperate enough to go to the notoriously unreliable and unstable Tresham with such an Explosive secret. <laughs> Am I right? Shut up and do the narrative voice. <clears throat> October 26th, 1605. With ten days to go, the plot begins to unravel at the home of William Parker, 4th Baron Monteagle. Letters away to the village of Hoxton in London. Shoreditch, always been ages since I've been to a vintage clothing market because nothing fits me anymore. Ah, Monty, you've done well to bounce back from that quagmire of a rebellion in 1601, you know. Imprisoned and fined eight thou for your troubles, no less. But we showed them, didn't we? Here you are, with a seat in Parliament, free to monologue and expound at will. You know what? I'm done with plots. All of them. Awful things and gone of those days. You've come a long way, Monty. Time to treat yourself to a bit of Shoreditch finest. <laughs> Ooh, what's this then? Latin-flavoured vape fluid? Ooh, naughty. Well, I am by myself. I mean, enter! Pardon the intrusion, my lord. You, you, you want to be careful with that, my lord. For a serving man, your timing is terrible, Thomas Ward. Apologies, sir. Letter for you, sir. A letter? At this hour? Could it not wait? By the feel of it, I'm just about to have a, a sit down with the big man upstairs. Oh, my shortage, you are good. Seems urgent, sir. Outside, just now. I was accosted by a masked stranger, sir. We live in a world of contagion, Ward. Masked strangers, indeed. You can never be too careful. There's a great store at the vintage market with some burning mask designs, BT dubs. No, sir, I mean, the man was not known to me. He said this letter was for your eyes only. My eyes only? Hmm, it seems a bit plotty. I want no, sir. This is the official explanation that we're doing right now, sir. Give it. My lord, out of the love I bear to some of your friends, I have a care of your preservation. Therefore, I would advise you as you tender your life 
to devise some excuse to shift of your attendance at this parliament. For though there be no appearance of any stir, yet I say they shall receive a terrible blow, this parliament. Oh, well, phew, that all seems above board and full of love and, and glad sentiments. Seems a bit sus to me, sir. Are you sure that could be the vape talking? Never during work hours for me, sir. Good man. Hang on. <gasps> Good Lord, the walls are closing in. After much deliberation and deciphering of the clues, I can say this letter is well dodgy. Prepare my horse and probably a hot flask. 24 hour as a shot, my Lord. No time. I must ride to Whitehall. On the evening of October the 26th, 1605, Monteagle travels to Whitehall to alert the authorities. His likely point of contact being Robert Cecil, the King's Secretary of State. One of the main functions of the notoriously anti-Catholic Cecil was to gather intelligence. A spymaster, if you will. At the time, known as an intelligentsia. Imagine running MI5 and MI6 together. Cecil must have loved it. A man born to wealth and power. Well versed in the murky cut and thrust world of royal politics. It is even said that Cecil's father, William, was instrumental in the supposed stitch-up and execution of Mary Queen of Scots, the new king's mother. Robert Cecil must have loved it. A man of moving pieces, cloaks and daggers, games of thrones. Plot? Plot? I never have no plot. Oh, don't force it, Robert. Maintain your dignity and look as if you're questioning everything, old boy. <clears throat> Powder, as in keg. I thought that was for ale. <laughs> no, no, too familiar and jovial. Be memorable, yet forgettable. Likeable, but avoid getting invited to parties. Trim away the truth as one would tend to a young vine, Robert. I'm monologuing in here. Who is it? My lord Cecil. Come in, fellow. My humble apologies for the hour, my lord. My door is always open. Um. Monteagle, Lord Cecil. Oh, yes. <laughs> Silly me, of course. Brain like a sieve. What can I do for you, William Parker? 13th Baron Morley, 4th Baron Monteagle, born circa 1575. Now is your lovely wife, Elizabeth? Still the sister of one Francis Tresham, I presume? Um, yes, I, I, I believe so. Good, good. So what brings you here at such an hour? You look like a man bearing a great weight. Um, yes, uh, wait, hang on, um, oh golly, it was quite a vivid ride. Where on earth is it? Breast pocket of your doublet. Oh yes, concerning news, my lord, I have come across something quite alarming. Right-hand side pocket, Monteagle. The letter-shaped bulge. Ah, yes, here it is. Thank you. Come sit by the fire, William, and we'll have a little look-see, shall we? Now, where are my glasses? I'd lose my head if it wasn't screwed on. Drink? Oh, yes, please. I'm rather... <laughs> cotton mouth am. Right, what do we have here, then? Uh, therefore, I would advise you... Uh, to devise some excuse... Uh, uh, at this parliament, 
No worries. Um, uh, I shall receive a terrible blow. What could this possibly mean? Enigma? My lord Cecil, I don't know if you are wise to this reported disruption of Parliament. This plot? Plot? I know of no plot. Nailed it. I can see you are as legitimately shocked as I am. OMG, I'm always the last to know. Let us sit deep into the night and puzzle over this, William. The official record states that Cecil and Monteagle did indeed pour over the letter for a good long while. To this day, many a theory regarding origin and author continues to mystify. Monteagle and Cecil would be bonded by this letter, probably forming a fast friendship. And Cecil would even pitch up at one of Monteagle's lame barbecues. Well, that is a half-truth, dear Uncle Bob-Bob. We shall be forever linked through the annals of time, but Monteagle is an awful man. Straight up terrible BBQ host. Ah! The history, it's seeping in! No need to take flight, young man. Think of your asthma. Though, I would take a look at that flimsy fourth wall of yours. Oh, where's Tombo? Don't worry about him. He probably felt the call of a home visit to Burton-upon-Trent to do some rock climbing or shouting at students, perhaps. He does hate students. Why are you here, Cecil? I just want to make sure you're not feeling the pressure of this gunpowder thingy. Looks like it's going the distance and there's a lot going on. I will admit, I'm feeling quite stressy, yes. Well, you've cut out the wheat, Bilbo. That'll help. Have you considered hot yoga? Or some guided narration? Don't you mean guided meditation? No, I don't, Bear Bear. We can't all be carefree sprites like yourself, flocking your peaceful battlefields and whatnot. What do they always say to you? Do the narrative voice? Um... To this day, many a theory regarding origin and author continues to mystify. Theory 1. The letter was penned by a plotter's wife. Or perhaps Robert Catesby's cousin, Anne Vaux, because it was putting their estate at risk. Or because it's easy to blame the ladies. A takedown of a shrew is a societal favourite, but it's so passé. How about theory two? Having heard of the plot, Monteagle wrote the letter himself to curry favour with the regime. Oh dear, cunning Uncle Bob-Bob, I like it. If you ever want to ditch these losers, I have many a pie that could do with a finger or two in them. Um, yuck. Though Monteagle did end up as the hero of the hour with a £500 yearly pension, for life, no less. Well, that's more than my projected pension. Well, how about this? Theory three. You, Robert Cecil, rigged it all yourself. You do come from a family who has a background in rigging plot. Plot? Hmm. Awful word. I prefer banter. You knew of the banter long before through your network of spice. You were the banter master and the others were just pawns. Are you suggesting I let it all simmer nicely, looking favourably on office space for certain gentlemen pensioners and freeing up storage space below Parliament when all seemed lost, playing our dangerous games with a view to trapping important members of the state and troublesome Catholics in order to cement the Church of England as a supreme religion from now until the end of time? Now that's bound Nice try, you silly history boys. But you'll have to get up earlier than that to catch Robert Cecil. Smoke bomb! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, man, he's a slippery fish. I do like Theory 3. Proper Hollywood. Yeah, it sounds fun, but what about Tresham? He sounded like he was literally dying to tell someone, anyone. I guess we'll have to find out next week.
Catesby and Winter will not take it well. Which Winter? Thomas. He'll be livid. Livid? I'm practically beside myself with rage. Oh, hey, Tombo. How's the climbing? I couldn't do it because I didn't have a totem student card. God, I hate them. And so for all the theories... And for not blowing anything up... We have been... The Silly History Boys! And we are, as always... Sorry! The Silly History Boys Show, or Gunpowder 2, The Gunpowder Behind the Throne, was written and produced by the Silly History Boys. Well, actually, it was written by Bilbo, and hasn't he done well? Now, the parts of King James, Robert Catesby, Dreamguard 1, and Reality Guard 1 were played by Rob, Uncle Bob Bob Bomb, your dear Uncle Bob Bob, talked a lot this week, talked a lot. The parts of Nameless Parliament Guy, Guy Fawkes, Kit Wright, Henry Percy, Jack Wright, Francis Tresham and Thomas Ward were played by Uncle Bilbo, Will Tristram. There he is, there's a good lad he is. The parts of Baron Monteagle, Messenger, Dream Guard 2, Reality Guard 2, Bishop, Thomas Percy, Robert Keyes, Ambrose Rookwood and a butler were played by me, the Pear Bear, Stu Perry. And the parts of Robert Cecil, the Earl of Salisbury, Robert Winter, Thomas Winter, Thomas Bates and Everard Digby were played by Tom Tombo Furmore. And last but not least, the part of Princess Elizabeth was played by Gemma Velma von Bon Bob Bon. Thanks for throwing us your voice, Gemma. Thank you. Sound effects were provided by the lovely folks at Zapsplat and music came from Scott Buckley, Zapsplat and, as ever, the fabulous Lord Fastfingers. Thank you, Lord Fastfingers, for the intro music as always. Please, ladies and gents, leave us a review. Or, or you could tell us, a, tell a friend. Or, or you could, like, throw soup on something to get us some attention. Don't do that. Don't throw soup on things. It's a terrible way of protesting. Anyway, or you could donate some cash to our Ko-Fi thingy that we've got. Um, details of which can be found in the show's description. Probably. I, I mean, I'm recording this before I've actually written the show description, so who knows what's going to end up in it. I mean, Bilbo usually has to go back in and, and when I've done and, and add all the hyperlinks. And um, long story short, give us some money, yo! Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the thrilling conclusion of the gunpowder plot. Will Guy Fawkes succeed in blowing up Parliament? Well, no, no, he won't. But tune in to find out how it goes wrong for our lovable cast of die-hard Catholics willing to murder an entire government for their religion. <sighs> what a lovely bunch. Anyway, okay, bye-bye.